Staying with us. We worship together.
Psalm 145 says, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. Amen? Amen. It's a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Would you take a moment and welcome those around you?
Turn to your seats. You may be seated. Well, good morning. We are thankful that you are here to worship with us today. <coughs> Excuse me. If this is your first time with us or maybe your first time in a long time, we are glad to have you. We would appreciate if you would let us know if this is your first time. Uh, you can do that a couple different ways. There's a QR code that you can scan uh, or there's a connection card out there at the welcome desk that you can pick up and fill out just some information about yourself and leave that um, out there at the, the table. We would greatly appreciate it. Well, hey, we have a very busy week coming up at Northside. So I want to encourage you to please read the bulletin or you're going to miss out. But I'm going to quickly go through things that are happening this week. And then Miss Rachel, uh, our children's ministry director, is going to come up and highlight a couple. So we have a senior luncheon on Thursday. The bulletin says it's covered dish. It is not. We're going to provide the food for you. So all you need to do is bring yourself. That's all you got to bring. Come, have a good time. If you haven't signed up yet, please sign up before you leave. Um, on Saturday, we have our suicide intervention training. We have 35 folks already registered, which is awesome. Um, and so I want to encourage you to be here for that. Um, if you haven't registered, you can do that online. The information is in the bulletin. Next Sunday, we have Sunday School Promotion Sunday. All the information is there. Please read that. Know when to be here. It's going to be a great time. Brian Scoggin is going to be preaching next Sunday, former drummer for Casting Crowns. Uh, he spoke at Upward, a great speaker, communicator of the gospel. He's going to be here talking about foster care and adoption and the ministry that he's involved in. We have a Sunday school teachers meeting next Sunday at 4.30. And then next Sunday night at 6 p.m. is our International Food Fellowship, which was a lot of fun last year. A lot of people were here. A lot of awesome dishes. Um, and so all of that's coming up this week. And that doesn't even include what we're doing on Wednesday, which Miss Rachel is going to come and talk about that right now. Okay, so I have two things really quick. Um, one is summer, and that's my favorite time of the year because um, it means VBS is in the summer. VBS registration is ready. It's online. There's a QR code in your bulletin. If you have already signed up with me to be a volunteer, I do still need you to go online and register. So if you haven't done that, um, please do try to do that soon. If you have not signed up with me and you would like to volunteer, I still have spots that I can put you in. So just let me know. Um, I'm selling VBS t-shirts. If you're a volunteer, your first shirt is free. Everybody else, um, and for kids, the t-shirts are $5. Um, we have them out at the nursery check-in desk. Um, this Wednesday, I'm super excited, this is the, the first time we've done this, we're having a kickoff to summer church-wide um, party, I'm going to call it a party. So I've rented some big inflatables, I've got a big slide and a big obstacle course, and then I have a smaller um, inflatable for little kids. Um, too. We're going to have a hot dog um, dinner. Miss Wanda, where's Miss Wanda? She's in here. She's going to do bingo, um, and we're going to have games, like tables with board games set up. So it's just a big game party with inflatables and food. Um, this Wednesday from 6 to 8, everything will be out on the upward field. So um, we would like for everybody to come. Please don't make me have to have lots of hot dogs left over because um, hot dogs get old after, <laughs> after a while if we have lots left over. So we would love for everybody to come out. The slides are not water slides. They are dry. So um, it should be fun for everybody. Thank you, Ms. Rachel. Yes. It's going to be a lot of fun. Now, my understanding is we're doing everything outside 
Um, so it, the weather looks beautiful. It may be warm. Uh, I think we have some tents that we can set up. Maybe some of you, if you want to put a table under a tent or something. But it's going to be a great time. This isn't just for our kids. Again, this is church-wide. It's an opportunity for us to fellowship, to have a lot of fun. So hopefully you will come, um, and it'll be a good time. Well, tomorrow, um, you all are aware, is Memorial Day. It is Memorial Day weekend. And so what I want to do for a couple moments is I want to spend some time uh, in prayer. After we pray, we're going to sing a couple patriotic songs, America the Beautiful, My Country Tis of Thee. And, and, you know, when we do these and we do them part of a worship service, I think it's important that we understand what we're doing. We're not singing these songs because we're worshiping our country or we think our country is more important than God. One reason I think it's okay to do it is because in singing, what we're doing is expressing gratitude to God for the country in which we live, the freedoms in which we have. Now, everyone in this room, we understand that our country is not perfect. Our country has never been perfect. It's certainly not perfect now. There's a lot that's going on in our country that concerns us. Um, and, and so what I want to do is I want to have a time of prayer, and the prayer is going to be twofold. One, it's to express gratitude for the men and women who have given their very life for the freedoms that you and I experience. To also remember those who've been left behind. Moms, dads, husbands, wives, who today, tomorrow, it's hard for them. Like Mother's Day may be hard for some people. This, this weekend is hard for some people who are, who've lost loved ones in the midst of, of battle, serving our country. And so it's to remember them. But then the second thing I want to do is I want this to be a time of just repentance and confession as the church of Jesus Christ. For our country, but also for the church. Because a lot of what's going on in the world can't just be blamed on non-Christians. A lot of it has to be looked at at us as the church for not being faithful. I think, as Psalm 145 says in verse 4, one generation shall commend your works to another. That we haven't always been the most faithful at commending the works of God to the next generation and leading them and pointing them to Jesus Christ. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you are able... I'm going to be up here on the stage, and I'm going to pray from my knees. And I'm going to ask if you're able to get on your knees. You, if you feel led by the Lord, can come kneel up front. You can kneel where you are. If you can't get down, we understand. If you're in the middle of a row and you're like, look, there's just no room. If you, if you will just bow your heart, if you will, as we just go to the Lord expressing gratitude, but also confession and repentance. So I'm going to give you a moment. If you want to get on your knees, go ahead and do that. If you want to come forward and Come forward, and then I will pray for us. Father, your word says, Great is the Lord. And greatly to be praised. So, fathers, we come before you either with a heart that is bowed or physically we're bowed on one knee or two knees. Lord, we just declare that you are great. God, the world is out of control. Lord, it's been out of control since Genesis chapter 3, but God, that doesn't mean you're out of control because you are firmly on the throne, ruling and reigning. 
So God, we just come before you saying we still trust in you, God. Our hope and our faith is in you, and that has not wavered. And Lord, we pray that it will not waver. Lord, we also come to you with thankfulness. Lord, for this weekend, Memorial Day weekend, Father, we first of all want to say thank you for this country. Lord, I didn't have a choice. You didn't ask me and consult me, hey, Aaron, where would you like to be born? Where would you like to live? Father, I was, by your grace alone and your providence alone, was born in the state of Kentucky, having spent my entire life here in America. Lord, we, we are blessed to be in this country. Others, Lord, would give anything to have the freedoms that we experience here, the wealth that we have here. Somebody reminded us Wednesday night that even the poorest person here is wealthy in many other countries. So, Father, we thank you for that. Father, we are also thankful and grateful for the men and the women who served this country and paid, God, the ultimate price. Their very life was sacrificed to defend the freedoms, God, that we have here. Father, we thank you for them. We thank you for them. And God, we pray right now for those, God, who have been left without a husband or a wife, left without a son or a daughter, left without a mother or a father. There is a void. For some of them, all they will ever know is a picture. They'll never be able to remember because their parent died when they were so young. Father, we pray for them. There's nothing we can do to bring them back, nothing we can really say, God, to comfort them, but other just to love them, pray for them, and just to point them to the hope that is in Jesus. But Father, we also come to you on our knees, confessing and repenting. Father, we pray that you would forgive us. Forgive us as a country, but God, my prayer this morning is that you would forgive us as the people of God. Father, we're going to talk this morning about how we are to be filled with the Spirit. Father, forgive us for still being so filled with self, for being proud and arrogant at times. And oh God, we pray that you would empty us of ourselves. Father, we, we repent, God, for failing to do your will, for being more concerned about what we want and our desires than your will. Father, forgive us for idolatry. Father, right now, forgive us for the things that we love more than we love you. And God, the reality is, for some of us, that may be the love for this country. That may be the love for this country and for politics has superseded our love for you. Our hope is more in a person or an office than it is in the prophet, priest, and king named Jesus Christ. Forgive us, God. If I'm guilty of that, if any of us are guilty of that, Father, forgive us for failing to commend your works to the next generation. But I know a lot of folks in this church are doing that, and they're doing that well. But Father, sometimes we fall short of that, and we just pray for your forgiveness. God, for your, your mercy and your grace. God, you are good. And you hear the cries of your people. So, God, I don't know what your purpose and your plan is going forward for this country. We are divided. 
There is anger. There is hostility. There is death surrounding us in every, every direction. God, be merciful. God, use your church. You're not done with your church. That we know. We know that from the promise of your word, that you will build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So Lord, may we continue as your people stand for what we believe to be the truth. May we do it in love, but may we stand being filled with the Spirit of God in us. Use us, Father, your people for your glory and your honor. And we ask all this in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may return to your seats. We're going to stand, and as, as I said, we're going to sing some patriotic songs together. And as you sing this, I pray that your hearts would just be filled with gratitude um, for the goodness of God and for how He's blessed us here. So, Curtis, if you'll lead us, brother.
Amen. You may be seated. All right, at this time, our youngest are going to go to children's church. So our pre-K, you all have children's church today, kindergarten through second grade. It is the last Sunday of the month, so you get to hang out in here with us. Everybody else, if you will take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. As I mentioned a couple weeks ago, we're going through this section of Scripture very slowly. We're going to look at just one verse today. Next week, Brian Scoggin will be preaching, and then um, we'll come back the week after that, and we'll finish out through verse 21. So Ephesians chapter 5, just going to look at verse 18 this morning. We are going to read for context verses 15 through 18, so if you will please stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. Beginning in verse 15, this is the Word of the Lord. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. You may be seated. Paul says in verse 15, look carefully then how you walk. And then he begins what is three not but statements. He says, look carefully how you walk. First statement, not as unwise, but as wise. How does the wise person walk? Well, he continues. Verse 16, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Here's the second not but statement. Therefore, do not be foolish but understand what the will of the Lord is. How does a wise person walk? A wise person understands what the will of the Lord is. We talked last week that you and I, through the word of God, can know the will of God. We can know the will of God. And then he goes on to continue to describe what the wise person looks like with a third not but statement. Verse 18, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So not only are we to understand the will of the Lord, but the wise person is also to be filled with, with the, we can know the will of God, but the wise person is to be, to be filled with the Spirit of the Lord, which enables us to actually obey the will of God. We need the Spirit of God to help us obey the will of God. So verse 18, there are two commands in here. One's in the negative, the other one's in the positive. And then what he does in verses 19 through 21 is he gives us five participle statements that help us see what the person who is filled with the Spirit of God, what it looks like. The fruit, if you will, of someone filled with the Spirit of God. So let's look at what he says here in verse 18. First, the negative imperative. What we are to not do, verse 18, and do not Get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Now, as you're reading and studying Ephesians, it almost seems as if this comes out of nowhere. Like, out of nowhere, suddenly Paul says, hey, don't get drunk with wine. You're like, wait a minute, you hadn't even talked about wine or alcohol, strong drink, anything at all, and now you're saying don't get drunk with wine. So, um, people are like, okay, so what is the will of God? Well, let me tell you clearly from Scripture the will of God. It is that drunkenness is a sin. The Bible is clear that drunkenness is a sin, and it often leads to other sins because it makes a person lose all self-control. 
So Paul says, negative, do not get drunk with wine. When someone is drunk, they are now under the influence or they are controlled by that alcohol. Now, being in church my entire life, one thing that I've noticed that has really changed in the 42 years is how Christians view alcohol. This is not a sermon on alcohol. It's a sermon on drunkenness, but let me just say this about alcohol. I grew up in a Southern Baptist church, and I believed when I was younger and even into my 20s that if I saw you drinking alcohol, that you were not a good Christian, and I would have condemned you. I would have judged you. There was no freedom. Any amount, anything, I was condemning you. As I studied the Scripture, as I got older, I realized the Bible does have some positive references to alcohol and wine. And so no longer would I be in a position to judge you and condemn you thinking, hey, you're not a good Christian because you drink. I think there is some liberty there. Here's a concern of mine. I think some people have gone too far. I think some people, have, they've, they've swung from, I'm not drinking at all, to now they drink almost too freely to the point where it controls them. So where your pastor stands, I don't drink. Is it the wisest thing to drink alcohol? I don't know. I think you have the liberty. I'm not going to condemn you. I don't know if it's the wise thing. I had somebody tell me, you can never become an alcoholic if you never take a sip of alcohol. So when you drink alcohol, there is the opportunity for you to become an alcoholic or to the point where you're still relying on it. Like you can't go a day without it. Like when you come home, your first thought is, man, I'm wore out. I got to drink rather than I got to go to God and, and trust in him. And so my, my, just be careful. And this isn't a sermon on that. We, we, could, we could preach a lot longer and I can give you some scripture just to know where I am. But here's what's clear. If you're getting drunk, there's no question you're sinning against God. If you're drinking to excess or you're dependent upon it, I would say you've crossed over into where it's become a sin for you. Proverbs 20, verse 1, wine is a mocker, strong drink a brawler. Whoever's led astray by it is not wise. Isaiah 5, 11, woe to those who rise early in the morning that they may run after strong drink, who tarry late into the evening as wine inflames them. 1 Peter 4, for the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. So how do the Gentiles, the non-Christians live? The pagans, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when, they do, when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you. So we as believers are not to live like unbelievers. So think about a person who gets drunk. And you're thinking, what is Paul's point here? So just, just follow with me. A person who gets drunk, number one, chooses to drink alcohol. Again, you can't get drunk unless you're choosing to drink alcohol. Secondly, a person who gets drunk drinks more and more until they are drunk. They keep drinking until they are drunk. Third, once they are drunk, their behavior changes. When you are under the influence or controlled by alcohol, your behavior changes. Now, for some people, they, they get belligerent and angry. For others, it's the opposite. Like they just laugh and giggle and they talk more than they ever do because now they're under the influence of, of alcohol. So you're controlled by drink, and Paul says, which leads to debauchery. Drunkenness leads to debauchery. Your translation may say reckless living. 
Laonida in their Greek lexicon says this. This Greek word is behavior which shows lack of concern or thought for the consequences of an action. In some language, asotia, the word debauchery, may be rendered as what one does without being able to think about it or what one does when the mind is absent. So when you are drunk, in essence, it's debauchery. You're not able to think about what you're doing. Drunkenness leads to immorality, reckless and corrupt behavior. Martin Lloyd-Jones was a pastor, a preacher, but he was also a doctor. And so he, he looks at this, interesting, when it talks about being drunk with wine, he looks at it from a doctor's perspective. He says wine or alcohol, and he uses this big word, pharmacologically, pharmacologically speaking, is not a stimulant. Alcohol is a depressant. Alcohol depresses first and foremost the highest centers of all in the brain. He goes on to write, they control everything that gives a man self-control, wisdom, understanding, discrimination, judgment, balance, the power to assess everything. In other words, everything that makes a man behave at his very best and highest, and alcohol seeks to depress that. But then he goes on to write, what the Holy Spirit does, however, is the exact opposite. If it were possible to put the Holy Spirit into a textbook of pharmacology, I would put him under the stimulants, for that is where he belongs. The Spirit of God really does stimulate. He stimulates our every faculty, the mind and the intellect, the heart and the will. And here's why I think Paul makes this comparison to do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Because drunkenness leads to other sins because it makes a person lose control. So he says, don't get to the point where alcohol consumes you, causes you to lose control, but rather be filled with the Spirit. Now follow me. Because when you are under the influence of alcohol, you lose control. But when you are under the influence of the Holy Spirit, you do not lose control, rather you gain it. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Oh, 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 as the song goes. When you are filled with the Spirit, he says you actually gain self-control. Where alcohol causes you to lose all control. So what he's saying is you and I are not to be under the control of alcohol, but rather, secondly, the positive is we are to be filled with the Spirit of God. This Greek word filled is plerao. I want you to notice three things about this Greek word that in English we translate be filled. We are to be filled with the Spirit. First of all, I want you to notice this is a command. It's in the imperative form. The imperative is a command. You are commanded to be filled with the Spirit. Now, the Greek word for filled has three primary different usages. One usage, plerao, is that, that of filling a sail and driving a ship along or carrying a ship along. So filling a sail and carrying the ship along. Another usage is that of permeating, where salt would permeate meat to flavor and preserve it. And then the third idea of plerao is total control. So when we read, be filled with the Spirit, I think what Paul's saying is, you are to be so filled with the Spirit 
that you are under the control of the Spirit. That it is the Spirit of God that controls you, not alcohol or anything else that we could put in there. So, so hear me. We are commanded to be filled with the Spirit, to be controlled by the Spirit of God, which means it is a sin to resist the filling of the Holy Spirit. It is a sin to resist the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It is a sin to not follow when the Spirit of God fills you and leads you, drives you along to do something. To not do it is a sin. We are commanded to be filled with the Spirit of God. Secondly, this Greek word, plerao, is in the present tense. It's not aorist, as in you once were filled with the Spirit, that's all you need. It is in the present tense, meaning it is ongoing. Being filled with the Spirit is an ongoing process. It is a decision-by-decision, step-by-step walk under the Spirit's control. He's already used the word walk multiple times. It's a beautiful picture. When you walk, it's one foot in front of the other, one step at a time. To be filled with the Spirit is an ongoing, day-by-day, moment-by-moment, thought-by-thought decision to come under the control of the Spirit. Think about alcohol. Drunkenness, and some of you, you don't have to raise your hand, you know this from personal experience. It is not a permanent intoxication. You may have been drunk on Friday, but Saturday morning you sober up. And so an alcoholic keeps going back to alcohol. They don't drink enough that they're, they don't, they're just filled with alcohol for the rest of their life. They have to keep going back to the bottle over and over and over. To be filled with the Spirit of God means you must give yourself over and over and over again to the Spirit of God. You must keep yielding to the Spirit of God. Now, I want to be clear this morning about the Bible's teaching on the Spirit of God because some people get confused. So I want you to notice a couple things. Number one, I want you to notice, according to Ephesians chapter 1, you are sealed by the Spirit of God. That God seals His children. He seals them. He gives us assurance. He says, you are mine. My mark of seal is upon you. Now hear me. That's permanent. It's not God seals you one day, and then a week later, you break off the seal and the seal's gone. No, you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. That's permanent. The Bible also says that we are indwelt by the Spirit of God. That is a permanent indwelling. John 14, wonderful verses here, verse 16 and 17. says, And I will ask the Father, He will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. So when you give your life to Jesus, when you confess your sinfulness and you turn to Jesus, He, as He did on the day of Pentecost, when He poured out the Spirit of God to indwell the people, He pours out His Spirit upon you, and you are indwelt by the Spirit of God. Hear me, that's permanent. You're not, hey, indwelt with the Spirit of God on Sunday, but on Tuesday, the Spirit of God is now gone from your life. That's a permanent indwelling. He goes on to say here in Ephesians 5, 18, that you are to be filled with the Spirit. But to be indwelt and filled with the Spirit are two different things. You are indwelt with the Spirit of God. 
You cannot have more or less of the Spirit of God. It's not like God has given you one-tenth of the Spirit of God, and if you keep growing, He'll give you more and more. You are indwelt with the Spirit. You have access to all of the Spirit. You can't have more. He's there. But to be filled with the Spirit is different. So we can pray something like this. God, I know your Spirit dwells within me. Make me more aware of the Spirit's presence and power in my life. I want to be more aware of His presence. I want to be more aware of His power. I want you to fill me, control me with the Spirit. Or we can pray, God, help me to surrender to the Spirit in my life. I want the Spirit to guide me as the wind guides the sail. I want you to guide me. Father, help me to be under the control of the Spirit of God. I want to be submissive and surrendered and obedient to what the Spirit of God is doing in me. But notice what also he says in Ephesians 4.30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Here's the reality. The Spirit of God indwells you. You cannot have more or less. But as a Christian, you can in one moment be filled with the Spirit of God and then the next moment grieve the Spirit of God. You can do that. So let me just give you an illustration. So let's say it's, uh, it's Thursday afternoon. It's quitting time. You're heading home to work. And since I'm a guy, we'll just use us men. You're heading home to work. You're exhausted. It's been a long week. You're tired, and you pull into the driveway, and you just stop. You say, God, on the other side of that door is my kids, my wife. I'm exhausted. I do not want to go in here and start screaming and yelling. I really would like to go check out, but I don't want to do that. I want to help my wife. I want to love my family. I want to help with homework. I want to do whatever I need to do. It'd be really easy, God, for me to check out, but I want to do that. So I'm trusting you. Fill me with the Spirit. Help me to be sensitive. And you open the front door and you walk in and it's crazy, but you start loving on your kids. You help your wife with dinner. It's an amazing night. Everybody goes to bed. You're happy. And you were filled with the Spirit. You honored God. Next day, Friday, it was a rough day. You're even more tired. You pull into the driveway. You're in a hurry to get inside so you don't stop to pray, God help me. You just get out, you shut the door, you open the front door, and it's chaos. The kids are fighting. The wife's not feeling well. There's no dinner, and you lose it. You just go off like you're screaming. I'm going to bed. I'm tired of this, right? And you're like, what just happened? What was the difference? One day you surrendered, you prayed, you said, God, help me. And the next day you went in in your own strength. One day you pleased, the next day you grieved the Spirit of God. Now, that's just one small, simple example. But it's an example of how one moment we can be obedient and the next moment we can be very disobedient and not honor the Lord. And so we must continually be filled with the Spirit, continually crying out, God, help me in this. And the last thing I want you to know about this command is the command is in the passive voice. Plerao is in the passive voice, meaning be filled or full of the Spirit is primarily the Spirit filling you, not you doing the work of being filled by the Spirit. It's the Spirit who is doing the work. You're filled with the Spirit, and then the Spirit of God is the one that transforms you into another kind of person. It's the Spirit of God that does the work in you. 
It's the Spirit of God in us that brings about transformation and life change. There are a lot of commands, a lot of imperatives in chapters 4, 5, and 6. We have not even gotten yet to the section about wives and husbands and fathers and children. You know how difficult that is to live out those verses faithfully to the glory of God? We haven't even got there yet. We haven't even got to the spiritual warfare part of putting on the whole armor of God. And the reality is the only way that we can follow the commands of the Bible is not, hey God, look at me, I've got this, but it is the Spirit of God indwelling me and filling me and empowering me and changing me. It is all the Spirit of God that's doing this work. Now, that doesn't mean you have no part to play. I want you to go to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians is often seen as the parallel book or a parallel text to Ephesians. For example, chapter 3, if you look at verse 17, the last part of 16, 17, it looks very similar to what we're going to look at in a couple weeks about uh, you know, speaking with one another and singing hymns and being thankful and submitting to one another. But look what he says in verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In Ephesians, it's be filled with the Spirit. In Colossians, it's let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And so, so here's, here's what we see when we put these two together. Do not separate the Spirit of God from the Word of Christ. Do not separate them. We understand it is ultimately the Spirit of God in us that brings about transformation. But what we want is to make sure that we are faithfully sitting and teaching and learning the Word of Christ so that the Word of Christ also is dwelling in us richly. And so... We are commanded, brothers and sisters, to be filled with the Spirit. This is an ongoing step-by-step -step of being filled in the present tense, and we recognize it is ultimately the Spirit of God that is doing the work. So let me close with an illustration. I brought my baseball glove this morning. Some of you may call it a mitt. I call it a glove. I've had this glove since I was probably 10 or 11 years old. This glove is looking a lot like me, worn down, tattered, right? Just life just takes a toll on you. Catching a lot of balls takes a toll on your glove. Man, there's been a lot of good, good memories with this glove, from playing catch with my dad and my brother to playing PYO baseball in Westchester, Ohio, to playing in Winchester, Kentucky, to playing ball with Landon. Um, trying to catch him and his wild, inconsistent arm. Um, he's got a nickname, Wild Thing. Um, so you got a glove, right? This glove, though, just by itself, can't do anything. This glove, just by itself, cannot do what it was designed to do, which is to catch a baseball. I thought about bringing some baseballs and let y'all throw them up here to see if this glove could just catch them if I just set it right here on a music stand. It can't do it. This glove by itself cannot do what it was designed to do. But the minute I put my hand in the glove, this glove can now do what it was designed to do, which is to catch balls. It can do it. It's not the glove, but it's my hand in the glove that enables this glove to do 
what it was designed to do. The same can be said of us. It can be said of us. It's not us that brings about transformation. Self-help, all the I'm going to muster up the strength, I'm going to change, doesn't get us anywhere. It's not us that acts and brings about change. But it is the Spirit of God in us who does the work that brings about the change, that empowers us to live out the commands of His Word. It is the Spirit of God in us that brings about the change. Some of you are trying to live life like a glove without a hand. You're doing it in your own strength. And you're going to keep failing until you come and cry out to God and ask Him to bring about the change in you. But there's something else about this glove. In order for my hand to go in the glove, the glove has to be what? It's got to be empty. Somebody else's hand's in there, my hand can't go in there. If you stuff it with a bunch of toilet paper or whatever, right? my hand can't go in the glove. This glove, in order for me to use it, has to be empty. Hear me. In order for the Spirit of God to use you, you must first empty you of you. You have to empty all of the self that's why it's an ongoing day-by-day, step-by-step, because we're still filled with self, dealing in the flesh, struggling with the flesh. And so we have to say, God, remove me from this. Fill me with your spirit. It's not what I want. I want to be about what you want. Fill me with your spirit. Let me close with D.L. Moody. He said, I believe firmly that the moment our hearts are emptied of pride and selfishness and ambition and everything that is contrary to God's law, the Holy Spirit will fill every corner of our hearts. But if we are full of pride and conceit and ambition in the world, there is no room for the Spirit of God. We must be emptied before we can be filled. Just a moment, we, as the body of Christ, are going to take the Lord's Supper together. And I'll give you instructions about that in just a moment. But in 1 Corinthians, it tells us to let a man examine himself. And so based upon the message that you've heard this morning, based upon the do not get drunk with wine, don't be controlled by alcohol or anything else, but rather be controlled, be filled, be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. In light of that, what is the Spirit of God saying to you? What what needs to be confessed? What do you need to turn from? What needs to be repented? Would you say, Pastor, I'm guilty of being filled with self. It's always about me. And and I'm struggling and I need to remove myself and to ask the Spirit of God to to fill me. Maybe there's a decision you have to make or a sin that you're struggling with and, and you've not been considering God in that. And so this morning you just need to confess and say, God, I'm sorry that I begin to think about this apart from you. So I want to know your will and I want to be filled with your Spirit and I want to be obedient to the Spirit and I want to trust in you. Maybe you're praying for somebody to be saved and you've given up hope a little bit. I just want to remind you, it's the Spirit of God who brings about the transformation of the heart. It's the Spirit of God who causes us to be born again. So don't give up praying. Don't give up sharing. Don't give up encouraging. Keep committing to do that because the Spirit of God will work and move and trust in that. So what is the Lord leading you to do? What decision is he leading you to make? And maybe this morning it's simply just to step back 
and to worship and to adore and to glorify the God who not only created you, the God who not only upholds the universe, but that God who also indwells you, who is near you, who is available right now. All you have to do is cry out. Would you close your eyes and bow your head? In just a moment, we're going to worship together. But before we do that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Spirit of the living God, you are in this place. Trusting that you were moving and working among us. Trusting that you, God, were using the words from Ephesians, from this message, Lord, using this, this vessel that is imperfect, misspeaks and stumbles, who lacks knowledge and wisdom at times. God, I pray that, that you spoke even in spite of me. And that right now, Spirit of the living God, you are moving and sifting in this place, that you are drawing, convicting us of sin and righteousness and judgment. God, my prayer right now, before we come to this table and eat of the bread and drink of the cup and remember your sacrifice upon the cross for our sins. God, my prayer is that we would empty ourselves of us. Jesus, you told us to take up our cross, to deny ourselves, and to follow you. God, as we sing, before we come to this table, may we just spend some time with you and asking you, God, to forgive us, to cleanse us, and to make us right with you. We have denied you or wandered away from you. God, we love you and we praise you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. Let's sing together. I hear the Savior say Thy strength indeed is small Child of weakness, watch and pray Find in me thine all in all Jesus paid it all All to him I owe Sin had left a crimson stain He washed it white as And when 
deacons to come forward. They're going to take a seat here on the front row. While they're coming forward and Miss Ann gets in place, uh, let me just say a couple things. I don't ever want to assume that because you're here, you know what the Lord's Supper looks like or, or how we do it. And so uh, what we're going to do is we're first going to pass the bread. When you receive that bread, if you'll just wait, and then we'll eat that bread together, and then we'll do the same thing um, with the cup as well. And so just want you to be uh, mindful of that. Um, we just sang that Jesus paid our debt and then he raised his life up from the dead. That's what, that's what we are remembering when we eat of this bread and we drink of this cup. We are remembering the sacrifice of Jesus on that cross in our place, taking the wrath of God, bearing our sins so that our sins could be forgiven, cleansed, paid for, to tell us die. And so as we eat and drink, we're remembering. The Bible also says that as we eat and drink, we will continue to do so, proclaiming and doing so until He returns. So there is this, we remember, we're thankful, hearts are heavy as we think about the sacrifice. At the same time, there's joy because we know Christ is a risen King coming for His people. So this is a time for us just to worship, to focus upon Him. If you're a believer in Christ, a born-again follower of Jesus Christ, we welcome you to eat and drink with us. You don't have to be a member at Northside to do that, but you do have to be a follower of Christ. If you're not, then we just pray that you would just let that pass, um, and, and that if you have questions about that, that you would come uh, see me afterwards. So deacons, if you will stand 
It says that Jesus first took the bread, and he said that this was his body that would be given for us. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we are about to eat of this bread, Lord, we recognize that there is nothing salvific in this. This doesn't save us. We recognize that this is not as some people teach, the actual physical body and the blood of Jesus that we are taking into our hearts. We are already filled with the Spirit of God. We are not crucifying you over and over again, Jesus, when we do this, but rather this is something that you gave to your church as a way of a declaration, of, of a remembrance, of reminding us that as the people of God, our hope is centered upon the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, Father, over the next couple minutes, may we just think, Jesus, upon your sacrifice and what that means for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Jesus said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. would have taken the cup and he said that this cup represented a new covenant in his blood for us for the forgiveness of our sins let's go to the lord in prayer father we sing what can wash away my sins nothing but the blood of jesus oh god how can it be that all of my sins Every wretched, wicked, self-centered, despicable sin done in rebellion against you could all be cleansed and forgiven through the blood of Jesus. Oh God, thank you. But not only that those sins would be forgiven, but that the righteousness of Christ would then be imputed to me. So that God, this morning as I drink this cup, you do not see that sinner but you see the righteousness of Christ in me. Oh, thank you, God. We praise your name. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> Deacons, if you'll stand.
Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. We recognize this morning that it is only through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that we can have hope, that the world can have hope. At the same time, we recognize the significance of this weekend, that it's through the sacrifice of brave men and women that we have the freedom that we have in this country. Let us never confuse or mix those up, but let us be thankful for both of them, for the freedom that we have in Christ and the freedom that is ours in America because of the men and women who gave their lives. And so as you enjoy this afternoon and tomorrow, let us be mindful of both of those things and let us be filled with the Spirit and under the control of the Spirit of God. Gary, if you'll come, close us with a word of prayer. If you'll please stand. Do not forget all we have going on uh, this weekend. We'll have a garbage can right out there in the foyer for you to throw away your cups. I'm reading from Revelation chapter 1, from verse 5. Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood. And he has made us to be a kingdom, priest to his God and Father. To him be the glory and the might forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. Yes, and all God's children says, Amen.